Lightning never strikes twice, or so they say. For director Edgar Wright, recapturing the magic that made his previous film, The Shaun of the Dead. The Shaun of the Dead. The Shaun of the Dead. (laughs) All right. Lightning never strikes twice, or so they say. For directors... For... uh, Lightning never... God damn. Lightning never strikes twice, or so they say. For director Edgar Wright, recapturing the magic that made his previous film, Shaun of the Dead, the massive success... The massive success? For the direct... For the director. Fucking... Lightning never strikes twice. Stress. For filmmaker Edgar Wright, recapturing the magic that made his previous film, Shaun of the Dead, the massive success that it would have... That it... I'm going to read this one more time aloud, and then I'm going to get... For director Edgar Wright, recapturing the magic that made his previous film, Shaun of the Dead, a smash hit, would be one hell of a task. So it would be understandable if his next film didn't look... Didn't... I just want to read it one good time, damn it, because I like this intro. So it would be understandable if his next film didn't live up to the same heights. But this is Edgar Wright we're talking about, who turned around and gave us what many consider his best work to date. So strap in and fucking... So strap yourselves in and keep your eyes peeled for any swans because this is Scripter's screen. And today we're taking, we're taking, we're tackling. And Billy, just do like a little montage in the beginning about my attempts and then just fucking put Zach's thing in. And um, that might be funny. Lightning never strikes twice, or so they say. For director Edgar Wright, recapturing the magic that made his previous film, Shaun of the Dead, such a massive success would have been one hell of a task. So it'd be understandable if his next film didn't live up to the same heights. But this is Edgar Wright we're talking about, who turned around and gave us what many consider to be his best work to date. So strap yourselves in and keep your eyes peeled for any swans, because this is Scripter Screen, and today we're tackling the second entry in the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, Hot Fuzz. Punch it! I want to raise. Welcome back to another wonderful uh, six-minute-into-the-podcast recording time edition of Scripter Screen. My name is Christopher Can't Read a Damn Intro Kitchen, and alongside my co-host, Zach One-Hitter Strackman. Zach, how the hell do you do it? Tell us. Tell us your secret. I wrote it, so it's already in my head. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes, you know, people don't know, the production behind these podcasts, uh, it's a little... um, it's a little uh, mundane, if you will. It's a little, you know, just there's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of things going on underneath the the blankets, if you will. It's um, uh, it's it's the wild west out here. You know what? I I don't know what the hell you would call it. Um, it's the internet, is what it is. We are back here today, another fine edition of Scripture Screen. As always, you can find us at our website, www.scripturescreen.com or anchor.fm forward slash Scripture Screen. There you can find all of our past episodes and share us with your friends. Remember, don't forget about that, folks. We really appreciate it. You can make Yeats. sure... You can make sure... You can <laughs> find us on social media, at Scripture Screen, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we also upload to YouTube. There, you can give us a comment, give us a suggestion... Have a little interaction. We make posts. We ask the audience questions all the time on Instagram. Like Zach, uh, one of our posts this last week was uh, your favorite characters from The Suicide Squad, our episode yes. we just released. Um, if you haven't listened to it, give it a listen. It's honestly a pretty good episode, if I say so myself. Well, it was a pretty good movie, so there was enough to talk about. There's and, a lot uh, of material. That's yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's not going to change this week, because we're talking about another hitter, another classic Dude, 
Hafuz. I uh, I'll, I'm going to preemptively say this uh, before we get into the film, but this is this film Hafuz. Number one, it was my first my introduction to the Cornetto Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, um, and I don't want to say it was my introduction to Edgar Wright, um, but I, it's like one of my favorite films of all time. In fact, it's in like my top ten list of like favorite films of all time. It so, is up there for me. Um, uh, so before we get into the whole nitty-gritty, I uh, just want to recap some things, Zach. We Please. have some updates. Play the update music. <laughs> Here we are, folks, live on the scene of Variety.com. Lo and behold, the Suicide Squad stumbled at the box office. Oof. Wah, wah. Actually, that is super unfortunate. Uh, you know, as said before, it was like the best box office opening for like a rated R film during the pandemic. Um, however, it didn't reach its goal of uh, I think it was about like thirty to thirty-five million for its opening weekend. At least that's what it was suggested to make. In fact, it, it fell somewhere around twenty-five to like twenty-eight. Um, and I realized maybe that's not like a big stretch from the thirty, but it it actually counts a lot towards like. Uh, just expectation overall, like what were the hiccups that they were trying, they were experiencing. But well, a lot of people, yeah, no, go ahead, please. We're, we're definitely, you know, because of people not taking the, um, the, the pandemic as seriously as they should have, I feel, my opinion, uh, I think there's been a lot of people a little touchy about going back out into the public again, which is understandable because people don't want to get sick. Um, but, uh, you know, that is... Uh, we have all these new variants out and stuff like that. Um, yes. I do want to point out that, what do they say, about like 98% of people that have uh, been, you know, they, they received these new, these new uh, they received, they were infected with these new forms of COVID. They were unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just yeah. that little bit of information out there. But I won't dwell on that bit. Um, I do want to add, though, you know, there is lots of talk about the simul release with... Uh, the Suicide Squad on HBO Max, um, you know, is another deterrent to take people away from theaters. Um, and if you look at, like, you know, two months ago, uh, the reports from June, HBO Max was already at 12 million subscribers. Um, I think that's globally or where offered. Um, and you got to think, Zach, that's like $181 million a month in, bar- in, in just revenue they receive from that. You know, that, of course, there's a lot of overhead and they have to divide that however it's divided. Right, such, exactly. Being yeah. such a big company, but I think you know once we have all that realization, you know, or it taken and accounted for, as I mentioned in previous episodes, you know, we got to think about the they don't they no longer have to deal with like the the split between distributors and themselves. They kind of get to keep all that cash. Um, so you know, maybe it doesn't matter for them. James Gunn doesn't seem to care himself. He says that he likes that it it was released on both and. He was okay with it. Um, we did mention in the last two episodes that uh, Warner Brothers, HBO, and AT&T have all figured out their situation in terms of uh, paying out the filmmakers as if it was a box office success and set the precedent. So, you know, it's just one thing to look out for. Um, besides that, go watch The Suicide Squad. See it in IMAX if you can. It was awesome. And that's all I have to say about that. Zach, yeah, anything from I, you? Well, I was just going to say I, I am trying to find... Um... I'm trying to find the article I was reading actually earlier today, specifically um, about uh, I believe some executives at uh, at Warner Brothers who were talking about kind of the future of um, 
the future of of their uh, movies because I think you know it ha- it was in regards to Justice League and stuff and how one of them had mentioned. Uh, let me see if I can find it real fast. Mentioned about how you know the next Justice League movie, for example, would probably be like years off. You know, it probably it's not something that's going to be uh, just pumped out real quick. Are you saying like um, like? Superhero DC Universe films yes. uh, is no so longer here we go, a subject. Here we go. This uh, is this is uh, via the Hollywood Reporter. Okay. Um, excuse me. So uh, I believe this was uh, Charles Roven, who's one of the producers of Suicide Squad, uh, talked about how uh, for uh, DC it looks like uh, they're 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 gonna they're probably you know reshuffling things because you know they've a new Batman movie coming out, a new Flash movie coming out, potentially a new Superman movie coming out. And so they said uh, the next Justice League, like, huge crossover event is probably years away. It's not something they're going to be jumping right into. Um, I think they're done trying to chase Marvel, um, which probably was is a good idea because I don't think it was wise of them to be chasing Marvel to begin with. But uh, they actually mentioned how... They would love to have um, Gun back for a sequel to uh, the Suicide Squad. So even if it doesn't perform well, I think there's enough good energy surrounding that film that even if it doesn't make bank, oh yeah, it's still, still might sitting get very high on on um, all these. Uh, what is it? I'm trying to think right now? What is it on um, Rotten Tomatoes? It's still at like a ninety something percent. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, yeah. hey, Warner as Brothers. As critics needs... and fans loved it, you know, that's all they needed. Yeah, I also feel like Warner Brothers has had, has had this mindset of like every movie we make has to make a billion dollars or it's a flop. Um, so a movie can just be a modest success and still like still yeah. be be a winner. That is true. Um, I'll tell you what, though, uh, I I feel pretty good that this week we are. We're ditching the superhero game. Uh, <laughs> we've been we've been on it for a bit. We have, and you know that's not to say anything wrong. There's anything wrong with it. We do enjoy the, you know, the wonderful superhero adaptation um, from time to time. And just so Indeed. happens that we have a bunch of them coming this year due to the delays of the last year. Um, but it's nice to kind of step back into a film that I know I've seen over a billion times. Uh, yeah, and I me think too. You have as well. Um, yes. So. Dude, um, hot fuzz. Sh- uh, shall we get into a little bit of the the nitty gritty? Yes, know? if you want to provide them with your uh, uh, patent, uh, uh, what do you call it, synopsis? Oh, okay. Here we go. This one comes to us courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. As a former London constable, Nicholas Angel, played by Simon Pegg, finds it difficult to adapt to his new assignment in the sleepy British village of Sanford. Not only does he miss the excitement of the big city, but he also has a well-meaning oath, Nick Off, Nick Offerman, excuse me, Nick Frost. Nick Offerman? A, yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. For a partner. However, when a series of grisly accidents rock Sanford, Nick smells something rotten in the idyllic village. That's, yeah. I like that synopsis. I don't know what you like. This is uh, what what all right. The thing I love most about 
Hot Fuzz. It is an older film, folks. We will. I think we're going to get kind of straight into spoilers in a way. Yeah. Um, if you because... haven't seen Hot Fuzz, I think I said this. I think I said this with um, Shaun of the Dead. But if you haven't seen Hot Fuzz, what the fuck are you doing? Like, go out there, <laughs> go watch Hot Fuzz. Like, you'll you'll thank yourself when you're when you're done. Two thousand seven. So we have you know like what is that? Fourteen years. Uh, yes. Since, oh my god, fourteen year anniversary. Um, actually, I don't know when it was actually released. Um. But at, at this point, um, dude, this film is kick-ass. The box cover art, the DVD and the Blu-ray, <laughs> is like the explosion. And then Simon Pegg with his, like, dual pistols and Nick Frost behind him, you know, with his shotgun. And it's just like, it just screams badass. But it opens up, again, to this badass montage to then just like, oh, small town mystery. It's kind of quite yes, the surprise of a film. You know? It is a very uh, uh, quiet film until the the murder start, and even then, like action wise, it doesn't really get crazy until like the last twenty minutes of the film. Um, but it's the it's the level of just almost constantly having every line be a joke. Um, almost every moment something clever or silly is going on that you're never bored watching it. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, I just want to remind people as to why we would go back and talk about a film this old, but it's just, you know, Edgar Wright being the very talented filmmaker that he is, um, and he can kind of traverse this weird um, blend. It's, I mean, it's not a weird blending, but it's like this blend of genres. Um, his newest film is coming out later this year, Zach. Um, yes, that is last, last night, night in Soho. Soho um, who, surprisingly to me, um, starring Tom Thomasin McKenzie, I think that's how you pronounce it, and Anya Taylor Joy, um, the latter or the latter, the how do you say the first one? <laughs> former, <laughs> the former, which I had no idea was actually had a, such a large role in this film. In fact, she is the protagonist, and Anya Taylor Joy is like her kind of double in this psychological. Uh, I mean, time-ish weird world. It's, it's interesting because this is kind of ground that, at least so far, Edgar Wright has not primarily covered because all of his movies have really been uh, uh, action uh, comedies for the most yeah. part. And this is what, oh, you know... I would say like he's, he, he's dabbled in romance with, with Baby Driver, too. It's still an action comedy. But... Um, uh, this is the first, yeah. This is his uh, last night in Soho is being built as a psychological horror. Um, so I'm very interested to see how someone who has built up sup- such a reputation for comedy and slick editing and cool action, um, how he does with a completely different set of tools. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I feel like, you know, when, when we got Baby Driver, I don't know, to me, I still feel like it was a, it was a lot. Is a little more different than the anything else he's done to the point where I'm, I'm super excited. But I mean, we're here to talk about his roots. Damn it, we're here to talk about. Oh, we're fuzz. talking about spaced. Not well. One day, actually, <laughs> um, we'll add that to the list, Zach. I need to watch spaced. Uh, I've only ever seen clips, so I need to watch. It's it great. In full. It's such a it's such a fun fun series. Um, it especially if you know what he goes on to do, you you can see the. Uh, the impetus for a lot of his jokes and and stylings in that show, 
But uh, yeah, Hot Fuzz, the hottest of the fuzz, directed by Edgar Wright, written by Wright and Simon Pegg. Let me tell you, produced. Simon Pegg has, has done a lot of, I mean, I just love his career as a writer when he is able to. Like, I just actually rewatched his um, edition of Star Trek in Star Trek Beyond. Like yes. when they were, I remember when they were having issues just building the script in general that he jumped in and I'm like, dude, he's, he's a funny guy. That was a, you know, that film had a lot of good, good bits in it. Yeah. Uh, I love Star Trek Beyond it. It was, I th- it's maybe my second favorite of, of the, what do you call them? Remake trilogy. Is that because you only like two of them? No, I, I don't hate, dar- uh, what is it? Into Darkness. Into Darkness. I just don't think it's great. Um, well, w- one day we'll cover those movies, and I'll and I'll explain my issues with that movie. Your thesis, um, my thesis, my dissertation. But um, yeah. but yeah. So uh, Hot Fuzz directed or not directed, produced by Nira Park, who produced um, uh, Shaun of the Dead, Tim Bevan and Eric Fellner. Cinematography by Jess Hall. Edited by one Chris Dickens. Music by David Arnold. And is there any other people we need to give a shout out to? Um, just the cast, I feel like coming up to it. In reality, yes. this is I, I mentioned this earlier. I don't know what it is about uh the United Kingdom and English, but they really breed some amazing performers. Yeah. Um because I'll tell you what, a lot of people uh just have had some incredible roles in this cast. Um some of what I mean, you know, some of them are still very small appearances, but some, you know, are, are quite substantial. I think it's funny because they trade off because in like one of uh, Wright's movies, they'll be like they'll have like three lines of dialogue, and then in the next movie, they're like a main yeah. actor in it. So, yeah. um, and I think we see a lot of that in this movie going into the world's end for sure. Um, a lot of those bit players kind of get raised up to lead roles. Um, yeah. You know what's funny but, uh, is I also feel like it's because in their you know in their own time when they're not working with Edgar Wright, they worked on bigger projects too. You know, probably. You gotta, yeah, if you think about like how they traverse the years um, around it, I don't know. I just you I, I look at at actors that come out of that part of the world, and I think like I can name more actors that have reached far more success. Than American actors here, I just feel like we're so oversaturated in like performers in this country versus in and that country. It's like it's just so proportionate. It's funny also because um so uh, the release dates for uh, Hot Fuzz uh, it released in the UK in sixteenth uh, of February two thousand seven, and then the US in uh, on the twentieth of April. Oh and wow! A whole month. was it like a festival release or was it like just a whole month and. The whole month, uh, whole month, yeah, basically, it, yeah, it, uh, a few months, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a few months uh, difference. But it's funny if you look at Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead uh, released in March of two thousand four in in uh, March in London, and then April in uh, the United Kingdom. So that like I mean a couple days difference, and then it didn't make to the United States until September of the same year. Oh and God. then if you look forward to the world's end the difference between uh uk and united states releases is like a month so it's funny that like the bigger and more uh well-known edgar wright and simon pegg and nick frost got the 
the more accessible it became to the to rest of the world. Their, 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 yeah, their project. I just called the United States the rest of the world. There's other places. <laughs> I, I'm You're American. part of the problem, Zach. I'm part of the problem. It. You know what's not part of the problem? Uh, this movie is 121 minutes, two hours. It doesn't feel like it. This movie speeds through. It feels, it's got such a fun pace to it. Yeah. I, um, I well, I'll tell you what, it, I, it's, I'll attribute it to that editing and the style yeah. that, um, I think you're right. has kind of, let me ask you something. Actually, I, I did yes. a project when I was, but a, a wee film student about Edgar Wright. Cause I had to choose like a filmmaker to do it on. Um, and my, uh, when I would describe like, yo, like the, the flashy edits and like the use of montage and stuff like that, my, mm-hmm. um, my professor teacher, um, who did not know anything about Edgar Wright, I feel like, cause he's a little more old fashioned. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, and where did he get that style from? I think he was just kind of coming up with a question to ask me after my presentation. And I'm like, uh, I mean, you know, I, I went and listed Edgar Wright's personal influences that he would discuss about. He, and he's like, oh, you don't know? I said, well, I mean, I need listed all those things. So I'm like, oh, but there's one you didn't list. Okay, what was he? He's like, oh, it's uh, Guy Ritchie. I'm like, I, I mean, I guess. But it's, uh, I mean, do you see? Mm. Yeah, it's like, is that a stretch? Is, is he just I, I feel- my chain? I think Guy Ritchie is just another English director. Yeah. That's <laughs> anyway, awesome. you know what? Edgar Wright got his style because he's a gosh darn genius. Yeah. Um, and to that point, this movie's budget uh, was only a fraction of what it made at the box office. It cost 12 to $16 million, and it made $80.7 at the box office because... It's probably pure profit because I don't even remember them spending any money on marketing. At least I never saw commercials for this. I watched it when it came out on DVD. I didn't even watch it in theaters. Uh, I definitely don't remember uh, the marketing for it, but I was a lot younger then. Um, so I, one of those things where it's like I probably just didn't even register it until I saw the film. But, gotcha. um, but yeah, let's talk about these people. These these. Did you know that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are the leads in this film? I did. In fact, I think the I believe them to be the leads of uh, all three of these films. Um, yes, I, you know, I could be wrong. Uh, I don't think they I are. They are the 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 Reese's chocolate and peanut butter um, of uh, that that so many people tried to really uh, jump onto. I talked about in our uh, Shaun of the Dead um, episode that they ended up be- doing a movie. That movie, Paul. Uh, that was like an American-made film. Yeah, uh, and you can tell they're just they they saw the movie magic between these two, and they said we need to, you know, we need to tap that that vein. Um, they they showed up on like they've done so many like things as their characters and stuff that that um, you know they, they're a wonderful comedy pair. Um, couldn't do better. Absolutely. Um, and it's funny because. Their characters in this are very much big divergences from from where they are in Shaun of the Dead. Uh, Simon Pegg's uh, two characters, Shaun and Nicholas Angel, could not be more different. You know what's funny is that I somehow think there's a connection, though, um, between Nick Frost's character and in both films, versus I find that in... In the final film, The World's End, uh, he's actually the one that I probably hate the most because of I just hate the way he's written in it. Like I no, really see, wish I think you, I think do you like uh, it. Well, well, so 
both in in Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, he kind of plays like a bumbling sidekick, and <laughs> I mean it's great, it, it's it's wonderful. But in in Shaun of the Dead, I think that they they allowed him to have a much more nuanced performance rather yeah. than just typecasting him as the bumbling sidekick. You know, I. Nick Frost, he's a talented actor, so you want to give him more meat to chew on. Uh, not not to say that his performance as Ed or as Danny Butterman um, are bad, because they're terrific. I think I like Danny Butterman a lot more than Ed. Yeah. Because he's, like, so many of his lines in this movie are golden. Uh, fried gold, if you will. There you go. So... But but I definitely like a lot of his stuff in uh, World's End too. So I, I can't I can't I can't pour shame on that man. Well we'll we'll touch on on some of our favorite bits. Um, but I really want to give out um, to this next one because I I love this actor and a lot of the things he's done. It's specifically uh, Jim Broden in um, Broadbent. Broadbent, excuse me. Um, Pro- Professor Slughorn himself from Harry yes. Potter. And Half Blood Prince, probably like my one of my favorite roles of him, to be honest. He's yeah, he's he's uh, good in the Harry Potter films, um, and then uh, more recently he was in um, he was in Game of Thrones. Who uh, who played one of the maesters at the uh, the Citadel? He did. Um, oh, he he was the one that uh, was he was with Sam when when Sam and went and healed. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jorah Mormont. Jorah Mormont. Yeah. Spoilers, I, I guess. <laughs> It's, but yeah, uh, again, it's been wild. it's cool. But yeah, Jim Broadbent's cool, and this is like a fun kind of like different role uh, from the stuff that I feel like a lot of people are used to seeing him in. He's just a great, you know, English actor. You know, what you know, who else? Like who? I mean, and then all right, next one. Come on, Timothy Dalton. Timothy James Bond Dalton. You know, can I tell you something? I don't yes. think I can recall a Timothy Dalton James Bond role that I remember. Um, it, there's only one. Yeah, you know, that's, well, even worse. I probably haven't seen it. It's probably what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> just because, I, no, I think about James Bond, and I, can, I think about, like, um, Spy Who Loved Me, right? Um, no, I think his was only, or... Well, that no, wasn't him. Me, that, he, was, that was Roger had, uh, Moore. But maybe, I, I no, think I'm thinking, like I'm thinking of George. I'm thinking of George Lazenby. So he, uh, he did, uh, George Lazenby had two, uh, mo- uh, one movie... Timothy Dalton had uh, The Living Daylights and License to Kill. Oh, uh, there you go. Uh, but, yeah, terrific actor. Just absolute personality. Um, one, one of the highlights of this film, for sure. Yeah. Now we got uh, Patty Considine and Rafe Spall as the Andes. I don't know about the former, but Rafe Spall, I've definitely seen in a bunch of other things since this film. Uh, so most pa- recently, probably like uh, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. As, as he's the main in, antagonist. He, he was in Prometheus. Yeah. He's in, he's in a lot of stuff. Now, uh, Patty Considine, I can tell you, he was, uh, he has a much bigger role in The World's End. He plays, yeah, that's he's, true. he's one of the, the main group. He was in, uh, most recently, something that I'm remembering, he was in the HBO series The uh, The Outsider. Oh. He had a small role in that. Was um, it, what, wasn't The Outsider, that was the one with... Um, Jason Bateman. Yeah, okay, I was going to yeah. say. It's a pretty good series, uh, based off a Stephen King book. And um, he is set to play King Viserys, the first Targaryen, 
in House of the Dragons coming Dude. up. So awesome. that's going to be pretty rad. Stay tuned for more Game of Thrones content on script or screen. Uh, here's a here's a fun cast member, uh, Olivia Coleman, the Olivia Academy Award winner. Olivia, my grandmother Coleman, <laughs> as Doris Thatcher. Um, she is awesome in this movie because it is all just terrible, horrible jokes Dude, uh, from her. I, I was gonna say like she's such a potty mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd say some, be my grandmother. Some... She's only forty-seven. She could be my mom. Please, Olivia Coleman, be our mom. <laughs> Welcome back, mom of the show, Olivia Coleman. How are you doing? We've got uh, Kevin Eldon as Tony Fisher. Uh, he's he's one of the sergeants at the uh, police, uh, the Sanford Police Department, and he's he gets some pretty fun moments here and there. Um, and honestly. There's so many small roles in this film that we could spend the rest of the, the time of this podcast just talking about, like, this little role and that little role. But, I mean, just to list off a few, like, tiny, tiny roles in this film. Martin Freeman shows up just delivering, I feel like, one of his best uh, performances. I see you're putting a bunch of exclamation points. I missed the the man himself, Rory McCann. You mean Sandor Clegane himself? Sandor the Hound Clegane, yeah, as uh, Michael Armstrong. Can, can I tell you something? The, I so obviously I watched Game of Thrones, uh, you know, years after this came out. In fact, mm-hmm. I was a late adopter at Game of Thrones. But when I watched the first episode, and I immediately saw the Hound, you know, without a helmet and everything, I'm like, oh my <laughs> god! I I knew immediately, like that is the fucking Yarp from Yarp. Dude, I, 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 I hadn't seen him in a role since this movie. Um, and can I say, if you if you had like never seen Game of Thrones or any other uh, product that uh, Rory McCann has been in, and you just watched this movie, and then like you would never know he had such <laughs> such fantastic range. Oh my god! Honestly, though, uh, like I, I don't. He's not. How many other comedies has he done? Because this is uh, a very let's comedic find role. Out. Yeah, it's an extremely comedic role. Oh my god! Um, Rory McCann. Obviously, Game of Thrones is like the first thing listed on his IMDb. Um, oh, I guess he was in Jumanji: The Next Level as what I don't know. But like, he I was wanna, in uh, I look the two thousand. He was in the two thousand ten Clash of the Titans. Oh, was he? Oh, he I, was in Triple X: Return of Xander Cage. Oh, I never watched that. But like, <laughs> between. What is it? Okay, so between 2007 and, like, to, I guess 2011 when he got Game of Thrones, like, that was it. Or I guess he started filming Game of Thrones, like, 2009 or something like that. Because they said, oh, maybe it wasn't too long before he got cast. Oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. I w- then I'm going to attribute I mean, Hot Fuzz to why thing. he got his job. In- he, he's, a, he's a big dude. He, <laughs> yeah, he's a he tall, he's a big guy. lumbering guy, and that's uh, kind of what the Hound needs to be. So. How tall? They, oh, he's only 6'6 in real life. I know plenty of guys that are 6'6". <laughs> Yeah, it's big enough. Yeah, aren't, um, you, aren't you like six something? I'm six foot. Oh, I thought you were taller. Could have been. Could have fooled no. me. All right, guys. Anyway, we're gonna get back on track. But you are. You said Martin Freeman. We have Martin Bill Nye. Freeman. Well, I want to say Martin Freeman delivers such a funny performance in like two minutes. Yeah. Uh, just at, really hamming it up. A bit stiff. Oh God. Yeah, Bill. Bill Nye. Uh, coming in. You, you, believe, you put emphasis on the Y? I believe you are supposed to. Nye? 
Oh, okay. I, I always pronounce it Bill Nye, as in the science guy. Um, I mean, it might be. If, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I really like I Bill Nye in About Time. I pronounce it uh, Davy Jones. Oh, yeah, it is. He is Davy Jones. That's right. Um, um, it's probably my favorite performance by him. Even though yeah. I don't like those movies, I really like his performance as Davy Jones. Uh, Steve Coogan, also in that same scene. Just the three of them together They're are... They're so fabulous. Yeah, and Steve Coogan, terrific comedian. Uh, I haven't seen anything from him recently and he's probably done something horrible and i'm like talking about how great he is so oh, don't say that don't uh, don't I'm... date don't date me uh <laughs> steven steven merchant shows up as a uh, peter ian staker piss taker um the the owner of the the swan who terrorizes the town throughout the movie david bradley walder frey himself uh I forget his name in oh, the Harry Potter like movies. Character, he's Filch. Like, Argus Filch. Yeah, he's... I just love a, his... A country his, bumpkin. Yeah, his very niche uh, accent. It's awesome. And then I, we have... Uh, oh, yes, go ahead, no, please. I'm just, I just... Well, I, I'll get to it later. It's just a, such a great scene. But we've got, uh, we've got a couple of cameos, too, that are worth mentioning... One is Peter Jackson as Father Christmas, the one who stabs Nicholas Angel through the hand. And it's great, you get that one shot, and you can very clearly tell it's Peter Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, she plays... At least her eyes and her voice. Yeah. uh, She plays uh, Janine, who is uh, Nicholas Angel's uh, uh, ex-girlfriend. And that whole... I I love that it's like, at that time, Kate Blanchett was already such an established actress. Yeah, yeah. uh, That, um... But but to have... It her to be in this kind of movie. No, I love it that it's just... Well, I think when people saw Shaun of the Dead, they probably said, you know what? I want to be in the next thing that this guy creates. Oh, that's Um, true. And I like that they could get her as this small role and just completely cover up her face. Honestly. It's wonderful. Yeah, I I wonder how that's reflected in her SAG contract. You know that that would be something interesting to look at. How much do tune her in eyes next cost? episode when we'll have Kate Blanchett on I want, I the want podcast a new segment of a show, Zach, where I just talk about the financial aspects of everything and just you know it's it'll be the smallest show ever. I have like just a fifteen minute segment of my financial ramblings and and. You know that would—that's all I want. That's all I want. That's good that you can do that. I'll have nap time. It'll be great. (laughs) Oh my god! So yeah, and I mean, there's tons of people in this film. So many. There's a lot of a lot of people who cropped up from uh, spaced are here in this. Uh, Julia Deacon uh, is is one of the barkeepers. Um, uh, She's the the wife of the husband wife proprietors of the the. well, I guess it's called the 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 King's Head, the the uh, pub in this oh, one. The bar. A, okay, yeah, yeah. They have a King's Head in every movie, and oh, yeah. um, it's my favorite real world pub that I've been to in yeah Florida. <laughs> I think I said it last time, but you you brought it you brought me there, and it's is very nice. Yeah, it's a quaint little spot. And uh, obviously, Peg and Frost are in this, and um, there are. Uh, Returning faces from Shaun of the Dead, namely Bill Nye, Rafe Spall, Martin Freeman. It's uh, just he brought all of his his players with him. The connective tissue. Um. So as as we get into the connective tissue, can I talk about the the introduction to this film? I, I as I mentioned a little earlier, um, 
dude, this this kind of Sergeant Nicholas Angel. Well, I guess that's before he was Sergeant, but it's like he get he gets in and like we get like oh extreme driving uh, courses. You know, he all this stuff like this great montage of like his exploits as a police constable. Yeah, he's um, done like all kinds of stuff. He he saved he busted like a hostage situation, and he's like been like like officer of the year like nine times over. It, it to the point where it's like I just love the immediate halt once we get him into the office. Um, yeah. And everything just changes. And that's not even... I forget how many minutes it is into the film, but it's just like... Then his world is just, you know, completely turned upside down and he gets sent to... I... To well, I love... Yeah, I love um, uh, Martin Freeman's delivery. He's like, he's like you're uh, you're being... We're making you sergeant. Excuse me? Where? Sanford Gloucestershire. Oh my god. But you know what? I just love like the whole chain that's just like, you know, going to the phone and then here comes um the Steve Coogan, the, yeah. Steve Coogan, um it's not the chief inspector, that's Bill Nye. It's like, oh, but you want me to get the chief inspector on the phone? Right here. Yes, please. Let's do it. Hand oh, how's the hand? A bit stiff. Three different times in the row. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. How's Janine? Ooh. Yeah. It's just there's something so effective about his his use of of repetition and just like these this quick cut judgment that that I guess um I will credit to Chris Dickens um as well like I guess they have a really good working relationship. Chris Dickens actually edited a couple of other films for him, didn't he? I believe uh, so. Probably. I if I I mean just in terms of if I think I I don't think he was the the Academy nominated editor. That we got in in um, what was this last film that they did? Uh, like he yeah, he did Shaun of the Dead, um, as well. Yeah, Shaun so, of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. I'm trying to. Uh, think, I did think do the I World's think after, End. I think no. I think after Hot Fuzz, he was then. I mean, Chris Dickens uh, was also nominated for Best Editing for Slumdog Millionaire. You know, yes. and then he would later go on to do films like the Macbeth. Uh, I mean, this is a very artsy film that not. I mean. I don't think it had, was crazy in terms of editing, but like I look at Rocket Man of 2019. Oh, that was pretty interesting, you know. Yeah. Um, but like they had that working relationship already from the first film to kind of bring it into the next one. Uh, I just think it it just enhances um, they, this they, movie feels. This movie feels like the editing is like laser precise. Yeah, for sure. Things things were I was when I was rewatching it for. Um, like the billionth time for this podcast, uh, things I even like tiny little editing things where I didn't pick up on until this time. Like even little things are like a character turns and looks, and like in the background you hear like a bell ding and stuff. Um, like like wonderful little flourishes here and there. Um, I feel like you know again we could talk for days just on like specific. But it, it all works in tandem with it, with everything else as well. Like, um, I, I feel like you know we get those classic crash zooms, um, and these these little moments of, uh, I, I just loved it every single time where where they were like wrapping up like the the jacket the jackets like the vest and everything back in the uh, 
in the station. He's like, oh, yeah. you want to go to the pub? You know, like, we'll, we'll, we'll go out. And it's just kind of these perfect moments. Uh, you know, I also want to give credit out there to um, back to our cinematographer, Jess Hall, who has recently um, done a lot of great work uh, on WandaVision, this fr- uh, first season, all nine episodes, as the director of photography, cinematographer. Very nice. Um, honestly, like, these these are great filmmakers. Um, they are masters of their craft, uh, you know, just, and for this, like, I guess he's not a first-time director anymore, but this is, as we said earlier, some of his best work, I mean, ever. This was maybe his second, or I guess third feature. This is, like, his first, like, second major film, yeah. Exactly. But, um, um but... I think it's rare, honestly, it would, to, get, to hit, like, this level. And on a budget uh, so low, they really made every shot count, honestly. Yeah, it's it's just it's again them just firing on all cylinders, creatively in front of and behind the camera. Just everyone in in really good synergy. Um, uh, I I love the idea of the concept of a police thriller, like a murder mystery that's set in this quiet idyllic country village with a bunch of old people. Um, the the jokes that they get just off of the concept alone is wonderful and with these like you know the three flavors cornetto trilogy you do get these very down to earth stories but elevated by some you know extraordinary uh concept uh whether it's uh zombies waking up a slacker to to improve his life or uh a no nonsense cop learning to cut loose when he comes to a town with a murder cult in it. You let's dissect that though, because uh, uh, honestly, that that's one of the aspects that I, I really enjoyed about this. You know, um, N- Nick Frost, Nick Frost, uh, Simon Pegg, his Nicholas Angel, Nicholas Angel, his world is rocked. Right, he goes from uh, this London, um, very. Uh, esteemed officer to now he has to you know kind of change his his i mean just how he performs at work well yeah you know? he goes from a very high demand area like you know london uh exactly. to a place where there's you know village so- of the year nine years in a row like what goes wrong there there's really no crime and like you know his first night there he's already rounding people up he's he's he goes and he uh, at the pub, he busts a bunch of teenagers who are drinking in there, and even the um, the proprietors are like, "Oh, it's it's better if they're in here. They're not out there making trouble. It's all for the greater good. The greater good." Um, but and- I love, that's a great <laughs> juxtaposition to like uh, Nick Frost's character, because uh, Danny just wants to be this like a truly exceptional. Uh, officer and wants to like live out his dreams from the films that he's watched like Point Break and Bad Boys 2 um and so he's just like questioning Nick Angel about all these these things like oh have you ever shot a guy been shot like um like what's <laughs> have you it ever like? jumped through the air and fired two pistols at the same time have you ever fired a gun while in a high speed pursuit yeah but it's just i i love like all that they grab and that they throw into like what like this badass cop film is going to be like what the cover of the dvd box art looks like it's not that for <laughs> at, you know half the film but it makes like the booking process 
looked like such badass work of when like he's taking the photos, he's writing the reports, he's doing all this. Sh- like well, what I what I love so about exciting. this what I love about this movie is it is a series of false starts where they go like, oh, we've got an emergency, and everybody and the the the, the editing picks up and ramps up and gets all stylized and flashy, and then it's like there's a swan missing. <laughs> and then, or 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 it's there's... like traffic detail because uh, there was a collision. Right, right. So you know, and it's like these. By the way, they things, can't use like... the force anymore. They have to say right, the service. It's a service, yeah. And uh, or or you know when uh, Angel and Butterman are just sitting um, watching traffic go by, uh, you know, clocking everyone's speed and stuff. You know, you get all these moments where like you think things are finally going to ramp up and, and, you know, you're kind of angels, almost a surrogate in that where it's like, he's expecting stuff to, to finally uh, go off. And it doesn't, um, which kind of inadvertently puts him in a same state of mind as, as Danny. And that's probably why they bond so well, because Danny also is looking for excitement. He, he joins the force just because it's what his dad did. Uh, but that was at he, the service. He joined the service. Excuse me, you're right. And um, to become a police person, officer, <laughs> a policeman officer. But uh, you know what he wants is he wants to be Keanu Reeves in Point Break. He wants to be you know like a Bad Boys too, where he he gets to just see like badass cops doing absurd shit. Uh, you know what? It and then you have the whole situation in the background where it's I mean the cops. Um, they're just, I mean, they're completely oblivious to the, the major mystery, uh, you know, all these serial murders happening can we, in town. Can we talk about the police? Because, my God, they are some of the best characters in this film. So They they take every, like, exaggerated um, uh, form of, <laughs> what are you, I forget the word, it's escaping my mind right now. But every exaggerated trope about cops, and they just play it all perfectly. But I... I, it's them. so great. So, like for example, the Andes. I love that their whole like they're just they're just assholes to everybody. Because they're and, the detectives too. Yeah, exactly. And they're they're just everything's like you know some of my favorite moments with them are you know when when Angel's trying to convince everyone of the conspiracy and he's like maybe you did it since you're such a fan of murder. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing I'm telling you, like, the performances, I don't know, as a, a member of the American audience, I can, one, say that all their accents, like, the, these country English accents, are just phenomenal, number one, um, just because I'm not used to it, and they just sound, mm-hmm. some of them sound funny and exaggerated in just the perfect way, so the cadence of which he says murder, that's hilarious, <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, another one of my favorite lines between them is when, like, they're in the pub. It's pretty early in the movie. They're in the pub, and it says, like, oh, everyone uh, everyone here's got a gun. Or everybody and their mother's got a gun. And Angel says, oh, yeah, like who? And he says, farmers. Okay, who else? Farmers' moms. <laughs> it's a great. It's a, so many good lines. And, of course, um, they. W- what's great about them is not just that they are funny and assholes and, and get in everyone's face, but that when everything comes to light at the end of the film, they don't, you know, they, they side with Angel and they actually kind of come forth as like these awesome, like people that you want to have on your side. 
And it's for some reason you feel that like though we didn't see anybody's training and it didn't seem like the small town had a trained force or servicemen and women, um, they I don't know they conducted themselves pretty well at least for what exaggerated um, police and film and television should look like to the audience. Um, I I want to ask you a little tidbit or just kind of a little off-topic question. Um, do you feel like if this film were to come out now? it would receive the same kind of like rave reviews that it, it, it or the same so. cult following. I, I just this, feel like this movie is, it's so well made. Yeah. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a thing so much of like, it had to come out at the time it did. I feel like this movie is like, I watched it a, a couple of days ago and it was, it was just as funny, just as absurdly silly as the first time I had seen it. Like, this movie, aside from a few jokes here and there, have aged... It's aged so well. I My, my only thought is that, like, you... I don't know how appropriate it is now to go out... I mean, and, of course, that's, you know, with today's point of view. Like, I don't know how appropriate it is to, like, hold servicemen and women uh, in the light that they can kind of, like... Have well, it's, this it's, badassery at the end, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you what well, the circumstances it's arose. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, I'm just saying. It's like I, I realize the circumstances, you know, finally uh, allowed themselves for them to kind of have this big badass fight by the end of the film. Um, mm-hmm. But then to like parade around that, and for us to be shouting, "Yes, well, again, this is incredible!" Again, but 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 to say that is to ignore all the buildup of the film, that, yeah. which is which is that the town is killing people. I just want to make sure, Zach, that we take everything into consideration before we I, say I have, how incredible this movie is. I don't care. This movie is incredible. Um, Continuing, um, Olivia Coleman, super funny here. Everything she has is a dirty joke. Um, she yeah, even the yeah, specific one. I feel like you, you oh, wrote I mean, one down. I mean, I could think of like plenty of them, but like the, you know, there's just like every literally everything. There's uh talks about how uh you know when she whacks the one uh, woman in the supermarket in the face with um the wet floor sign. She's like nothing but a, nothing like a little girl on girl. Um, <laughs> there's a part. There's a very subtle one. Um, probably my favorite one. It's it's very subtle. It's when they're at the church, um, like uh, fair, mm-hmm. uh, the fundraiser to repair the uh, church's the roof. roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes between two men. I don't know if it's the Andes. I don't think it's the Andes. But she goes between two men who are staring at a pig on a spit roast and she says "Ooh, that's me after a couple of pints and you're just like jesus um you know that's olivia coleman she can oh do my god say anything academy award winner olivia coleman I, god bless her academy award winner at this point let's she's find won- out I, i'm pretty sure she i know she's been nominated like three or four times in the last you know number of years but she won for the favorite and then she won. I think she won. I don't know if it was for the fought and the father. Um, the hell is this movie that just came out? Um, I don't know. She, in more recently, she's done very well for herself. Oh, I, she she's was, also she was nominated. Movies. She was nominated for the father, but she did not win. Oh, okay, but she did win for the favorite. Yeah, she's she's great. She's wonderful, and it's so funny. And part of her thing is also really funny with. Um, uh, Carl Johnson as um, 
what's his character's name? Walker, uh, Bob Walker, who he's the one who's, you know, he has the real thick country accent. And, uh, so he, you can't understand half of what he says, but usually she'll make, uh, Olivia Coleman will make an off color joke and then he will follow it up and say just like one word. Like she'll talk about how, uh, uh, you know, she goes, oh, I don't know. I kind of like a little nibble in the middle of the night. And then he's just like, cocks. <laughs> it's almost a little random, a little off color humor. Um, yeah. But I, it's just good fun. Yeah, um, they're they're great. You know, that 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 scene, actually, when they're in, you know, during the the whole church uh, fundraiser. That the yeah. Week, um, that was actually a pivotal moment too. If you think about like the grand mystery, um, I don't know about you. I really found that that narrative in this film. You know, I guess that's the overarching real thing. Just this kind of them going through and working out the case. Um, it had one of the biggest clues, right? They almost had their big reveal with uh, the news. I forget the, the name of the the newspaper. Tim guy. Messenger. Tim Messenger uh, wanted to reveal the information to uh, Sergeant Angel about who he thinks is doing the murders, and by golly, we get probably the goriest bit in the whole film. That, that uh, I remember, probably one of my earliest memories of this film is is catching it on TV and seeing that That was kill. not on TV. Yeah. No, no, they that, showed that? 100%. Yeah. Dude, this is a rated R film. They wouldn't show that. Yeah. Well. They wouldn't, it was on, it was uh, on a Comedy Central. Oh, my God. And... Uh, and yeah, just seeing that violent, just being like, Jesus. Like, that's some Suicide Squad type shit. Um, Dude you know got his saying? head exploded. And just the fact that he stumbles a bit before falling down. Very realistic. Is... You know, you gotta say, they did, you know, this is like also, it's really funny. level stuff. It's really funny <laughs> that right before the thing falls on him, uh, Tim Messenger wins the raffle at the, the fair. And the, pre- uh, the priest gets on the microphone and says, Tim, your number's up. Oh boy! Clever, clever. The script is too fucking clever for anyone's own good. I, I, you know what I think is clever is the way that they distracted us from finding the true antagonist, this masked murderer. Um, because you know, I loved that. You know, the costume is the same. It's almost like a scream, like kind of. It's look. like a just a hooded like reaper. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I don't know, but the way that they framed the Reaper at times was like, oh my god, it just like looks so perfect. Like I loved it when they were like, um, you had the, uh, during the kind of post stage play uh, earlier in the film. I think this is like yeah. the first set of like murders uh, since uh, Nicholas Angel's tenure in uh, right, right in Sanford. Like I just love the way that like he's kind of like lurking in the corner and then like kind of comes in and shuts the room and, and you know just kind of wreaks havoc and then to the you know fast forward we get to the part where like he's stabbing shears through like the woman's neck oh yeah leslie tiller yeah yeah and, I got- and he books it out the back and the the ultimate reveal that it was all just uh, a bunch of different people dude that was such i uh, for me like i didn't i did not see that coming i mean that there and- was like this whole cult in this town and that I, you know, Simon Skinner would have been great, but obviously that would have been too easy at the point in film which in which they uh, found him. Um, and also, I, yeah. just, I loved Timothy Dalton's performance in this. Can I say? Yeah, Timothy too? Timothy Dalton is like you, I said. Of he course, is... you wanted him to be the bad guy because he was playing the fucking weird <laughs> conniving bad guy. Well, what I love is he has so many lines that are just like 
purposely just like, okay, yeah. you're, you're the bad guy. He's like a you're, Pokemon villain. Yeah, well, he has game. like his first line of the movie is like, "You have to lock me up. I'm a slasher." It's like, <laughs> but I've been I've been slashing prices and stuff. And you're like, every line he he has the thing where he's like, "Oh, that laugh. I would love to bash your head in and see what comes yeah. out." Or, you know, he's gonna when he, they're talking about um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who get his house gets blown up. Um, oh, he's like the mayor or something like that, or no, the developer. Yeah, and and he talks about you know he'll be in bits in the morning. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I mean, there's so many things of him like just like where you're like, okay, you're clearly the bad guy, and then you get the fake out where you think where he seems to be exonerated uh, when when Angel confronts him, uh, and we get that great thing where he's like, why don't you scrub through the security cameras, and he flashes that smile r- while his pictures in the background that was such perfect framing i loved every wonderful i love the narcissism i just loved everything (laughs) that that frame was telling us and leave it leave it to an a james bond actor to just know how to just nail a line and uh, just wonderful listen we need to talk about this Skinner and and Butterman and everybody in this film, the collective antagonists of this film, who all together form what is maybe my favorite joke in the whole movie, and that's that they are the Neighborhood Watch Alliance or the NWA. <laughs> I mean, hey. Every uh, time I hear it, I, I am like, I'm tickled pink. Because it's like, of course, Edgar Wright... Only Edgar Wright can make a movie where a bunch of old British people are called the NWA. Um, you know, I gotta say, by the end of it, though, I think they really try to, you know, embrace the uh, the title. Because um, it turns out they all are just, I mean, just really <laughs> great shots. You know what I'm saying? Really. Like, um, it's, it's Honestly, it's probably one of my favorite ones. Actually, I really liked... Um, I'm trying to think of the innkeeper's name, the the old woman, where she's like doing her oh, crosswords. She's uh, like that's, uh, a three letter yeah. word for uh, a witch uh, in a cottage. Hag, you know, fascist, fascist. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, Miss Cooper. That's like two across or through. It's like a. Uh, it's like it's down. actually fascism. Uh, there you she, go. she goes fascism, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so many good lines in this movie. It's like I I laugh and I miss like two more funny jokes, you know. And so many good gags. The 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 fact that everyone in the police station is always eating dessert is so funny. The the fact that, you know, uh people will be having arguments and while they're having arguments someone's slapping change into the swear jar. Uh the the living statue gag has maybe the best payoff of any joke in the movie when he's uh, when he, go ahead no no, no complete just when he's down in the catacombs and he's dead but he's still frozen <laughs> you know what i really liked is the introduction to um to danny's character where he's drunk in the bar and then he's you know <laughs> then nick walks him over to the station and locks him up and then it's it's the uh, the officer that's in the front, who's like oh like you know we'll put him in holding and then it, the next morning yeah, you see uh, his like his hair Bill and Bailey. Like that. yeah I just love I, I love that little bit 
Um, yeah, and I think that's like, he goes, oh, he's escaped. He pops, he's like, oh, who's escaped? <laughs> it's perfect. Honestly, that's one of the best shows. Um, yeah. And and I love, you know, the the moral, the, the, the arc that Nicholas Angel has to go on is learning. It's kind of like the opposite of Sean's uh, uh, character arc in Shaun of the Dead. Whereas, like, in Shaun of the Dead, it was about a fuck up who learned, like, he had to... He had to grow up. He had to, you know, become the man he was supposed to be. Whereas here, you have a man who is fully formed and kind of a no-nonsense, work-obsessed person learning to cut loose of it. Well, I mean, you know, you got to say, like, the, the, the cherry on top of, of the whole arc is when, um, you know, he's, he, I mean, him and Danny get on the rescue mission. You yeah. know, then and then Denny gets his opportunity to shoot in the air. You know. Well, yeah, it's uh, referencing uh, the scene of point, point break. break. Yeah, exactly. Like, like he let Danny kind of live out his dream in a way, uh, <laughs> like being like this badass cop. Um, also, I I really like kind of Danny's turn from like having to finish off. I mean, because he wasn't ever supposed to be. Uh, I mean, it doesn't feel like he was supposed to be like you know, allowing any of that to happen, really, as a real cop. You know, he really took what everything that, that Nick Angel had to teach him, you know, about what being a real service member was. Um, and he got to apply it at the end like that. That was a really good feel-good moment for me. Yeah, like, yeah, he, he definitely, he gets his moment. And then at the very end, well, what I like, there's little touches of the, throughout the film where you see he's starting to read police manuals and stuff, and you can see, like, times where he has it in a scene that's not you, even you pointed hand, to. You, you gotta hand it to uh, to Nick Angel as well. He watched uh, Point Break and Bad Boys too. Yeah, and, and it was those movies that gave him the idea to go back and clean up the town. There you um, go. And when, you, when we get to that ultimate showdown, there are so many fun callbacks uh, throughout the entire thing. Uh, to name a few, I love... So... Earlier in the film, when uh, Angel and Danny are on just like their normal patrol, and someone calls Mrs. Roper's walkie-talkie, and they're like, "You see, Sergeant Angel, check out his arse," you know. And then at the end of the movie, it's <laughs> "Check out his horse." <laughs> and then uh, you've got uh, the the kind of like um, re reuse or repurpose of him and Mrs. Cooper calling each other fascist and hag. It's perfect. It's perfectly timed. Um, yeah. And, um, again, one of my favorite moments is when uh, the doctor comes out and attacks them, and Danny accidentally blows his foot off, uh, and and Nicholas Angel says, uh, uh, you know, you're a doctor. Fix it. Or oh, deal with it. Yeah, which motherfucker. Is, yeah, yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> and I then... Can, uh, yeah, I mean, can we... I Another personal <laughs> anecdote. Zach, you and I... We use the gifs and gifs uh, of this film a lot, uh, yeah. Because you know, there's uh, my uh, another favorite one um, is where he's like shame and he's loading yeah, up the he's, gun. Yeah, he's loading up the shotgun. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's it's so good. Um, but but the whole thing with the doctor is that was actually a you know repeating what happened at the fair. Uh, Danny accidentally shot the doctor in the foot with a BB gun. And and Angel at that part goes, oh, he's a doctor. He'll he'll, he'll deal with it. Yeah, he'll exactly. <laughs> um, so it's 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 great that like you know, 
we don't get the moment in this film like we get in the other two where at the beginning of the film they explain everything that's going to happen without you realizing it. Uh, but it's moments like these where you go like, oh, okay, they, you know, they were setting things up to be paid off later. No, and I think they did it, I mean, it was obviously a lot more subtle in this film. And I, I think I appreciated that a little more. I mean, that's why I feel like this film stands above the other two, you know? The third one, I feel like it's a little lackluster for me. Um, it, it does things, I just think everything's played so perfectly in this film. I think Nick Frost uh, is the perfect companion to Simon Pegg's character, um, I don't. I don't want them to be argumentative or having to deal with all this stuff. <laughs> like, and, and you know, it's like I feel like also the finale of uh, the World's End is like a little drawn out after like the realization that like, oh, I guess like the world had ended or whatever the fuck. I, it was. I per- personally, I, I, your your opinions are valid. I, I, but I do like the ha- most of the stuff in that film. I like that f- for a change. Simon Pegg's character is the fuck up, and yeah. Nick Frost is the one who's got like everything kind of person. figured out. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but, but even it, so, like, there's so many good jokes. We will eventually be getting to the world's end because uh, that I feel that movie still got a lot of great stuff in it. Of course, um, but I mean overall, Zach, where would you uh, where would you rank uh, this? This um, do you have a, like a specific number? Are we talking? Terms? Are we talking in terms of all? Edgar Wright films yeah, or just the Cornettos? Let's talk. Well, I mean, in terms of Cornettos, I definitely it's think. The top. From, yeah, this is probably the best. Uh, if not, you know, this Sean and then The World's End. But so, like, in terms of Edgar Wright films, I feel like this is either number one, if not number two. Yeah, um, I was gonna say it might be. It might be number two in terms of all of his films, but it could easily what, like what, depending what is on the one day. For you, are you going to say Scott like Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim? Is Scott Pil- I love Scott Pilgrim. I, you know what? If I, I'll agree that Scott Pilgrim may be his best film, only because it is probably exactly uh, what he represents as a filmmaker, like just on uh, you know. W- adapted through that material, like it's it. Everything that represents him is in that film, um, yeah. More so than than this film, though it, though original. Um, I just feel like he's able to do so much of what makes him special in in the modern in modern cinema, um, because he's in this like outlandish comic world. Um, yeah, and and. There's a lot more because, like, the movies like Hot Fuzz have to abide by the laws of physics. Yeah. And Scott Pilgrim doesn't. I feel like that leads to so many funnier gags. Like, there's uh, one day we will devote an entire episode to Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. But, the, like, I. I think like the classic one of like you know knives comes to knock on the door. Wallace answers, and she's like, "Is Scott there?" And he's like, and he "Oh, you know what?" Out the window. Yeah, and he, like right behind. One, one shout out to Kieran Culkin uh, because I love his role in that in that film. Yeah, um, as Wallace. Yeah, and I I just gotta say, yeah, that is probably one of the best. Did you watch the behind the scenes for how they filmed that? Yeah, it's because it's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I gotta agree. Um, yeah, overall, I yeah I don't think I'll ever not want to watch Hot Fuzz. In fact, I'm trying to get more people to see this that haven't seen it. Um, some are being reluctant for no reason other than, uh, you know. But I, <laughs> what what is a good reason? If you were to leave people off, you know, Zach, and and 
if you were to get someone to watch this film, what is the de facto reason why they should watch it? It's funny. It's funny. That's it. That's it's funny. Got. It's it's it is it is immaculately edited. But, it is I mean genre bending. Yeah, but I mean having... at, at the end of the day, if I had to convince anyone of anything, I'm like it's one of the funniest films I think that's ever been made. Ah, uh, see, that's what I'm talking about. One of the funniest films that's ever been made. Zach Strackman on script. There it speed. is. Episode. What is this, 34? Episode 34. 30 Schmissen. <laughs> Dude, uh, Billy, what did you think about the film? It's definitely one of my wow, favorites. Billy, your opinions are so nuanced and different. So, such insight. Yeah, thanks. You know what's funny is I I actually used, I took a bit of this film like, as a template of something like that, a project I would have liked to have worked on uh, in the past. Um, I just love the idea like this is probably the de facto buddy cop film for me. Um, oh, absolutely! It's funny absolutely. because it, it takes, you know, it makes fun of other. Uh, that's a lot of times. That's that's uh, that's what makes them so great. Yeah, it, it does. Um, but I think I think that is that is that Zach. I think that's all my thoughts and things I have to share about Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I guess I guess that's about it. Just you know, it's a wonderful film. Uh, Wish more films could could be made to this level of like excellence. I it, you know they rounded up the perfect cast. Um, they had the 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 best level of of kind of um, artistic go about with it. You know, taking both inspirations from uh, what we've already seen in the genre as well as mixed in other genres with it. Um, you know, they made the best of a twelve to sixteen million dollar budget. <laughs> at the, you know what like for the action sequences that they used um maybe they're and not for, too over the top but it's like it's over the top enough uh for it to be like incredibly entertaining and um, for a film that is set out to make fun of and parody police films and action films it's one of the best police movies and one of the best action films ever made there you go um well i mean if like with that being said i th- i think that is that i think this is that, this. That it, dude. This is Hot Fuzz. This is Script or Screen's thoughts and opinions. Um, please let us know what you think. Zach, anything yes. else? Your final final words. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on this lovely ride we've been on. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for any swans out there because they're dangerous. And uh, we appreciate your ears. We appreciate your... Uh, uh, patience hearing us talk about movies we like and we invite you to listen again hey that is a great transition because don't forget to visit our website www.scripturescreen.com or anchor.fm or slash screen. all of our past episodes are available on all your favorite listening platforms you can peruse them and find which one is best suited for you don't forget to follow us on social media. That's at Script Screen on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We also upload to YouTube. Thank you for listening so much. Be sure to share with your friends. Be sure to give us a comment. Ask us a question. We will get back to you. Thank you so yes. much. And have the wonderful rest of your days. Bye.